It is Wednesday, December 20th, and you are listening to Run That Back. I am Scott Bunn, and usually you would hear, and I am Tom Chalmers, and you're listening to Indie Sports Radio. But Tom is not here. He is out. He is um, at the Jim Gaffigan Show. There are a lot of people who are there, but for those of you who are not at the Jim Gaffigan Show, I'm thankful that you're here listening uh, to Run That Back listening to me flying a little bit solo here in the studio but coming up in a few minutes we'll be talking with edward edwin arnauden of Asheville movies we'll be talking about sports movies both documentaries and fictional movies that came out this year we'll also be talking to paul sinta in a few minutes to gush about the buffalo bills we'll be talking about uh lots of different things like i said sports documentaries we'll also get into uh lots of other sports with Edwin but first you know when I need to talk Buffalo sports when I when I want to make sure that um, we're capturing the right enthusiasm for Buffalo sports there's really the one person that I reach out to first to make sure uh, that we we're fully capturing this Buffalo experience Buffalo sports experience and that's Paul Sinta Paul are you here I'm here. Hi, Scott. Hi, Paul. Uh, yeah, I had. I think the last time we had you on the show was when um, the late great Rick Jenneret, uh, the Sabres announcer, um, passed away, and we we played some of his greatest hits, and you you helped us through that. Um, and uh, but here we need to. I, I called you in um, to uh, to talk about the Buffalo Bills. Uh, do you enjoy the work of the Buffalo Bills, Paul? Well, um, when they win, I enjoy the work, and when they lose, I'm not as much of a fan of it. <laughs> yes, but uh, you are a passionate fan. Um, yes, passionate. I've broken many things over the years. <laughs> yeah, but but you've you've reined that in, have you, or have you learned to channel it in different ways so that you're not uh, breaking things? Um, one game earlier this year, I was so <laughs> mad that I left at halftime in the middle of the night and went for a walk. Just during halftime, though, I got back in time for the second half. <laughs> you got back fine. in time to go to work the next morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, like they found me. They found me eventually in the woods, and, and everything was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those Mad Men episodes where he's just like smoking in his car, like thinking, "Should I walk in front of this train?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never actually seen Mad Men, but I can picture like, vaguely what you're talking about. But no, I, I don't smoke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's the only part of that story that wasn't true. <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, I think I know the point of the season in which you probably did take that long walk. Um, Do you want to guess? Yeah, was it the Broncos game or the Bengals game? It was neither. It was actually end up being a win. Oh really? <laughs> Which one was it? The Giants. Remember we had zero uh, points yes. at halftime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting game to choose because you didn't see the second half of that game, and that oh, was before. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. Oh, you did. Okay. No, I did. I came back. I was back. I came back in time for second half. Yeah. Oh, I was serious okay. when I said that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was thought... joking when I said I was found in a in in the woods. The serious part was I came back in time to see it. So yeah, no, it was a good second half. It was a really good second half, but you know, it was a really bad first half. It it really so. was. Well, and like I said, so you know, the Bills have gone through all lots of ups and downs this seasons. Um, mm-hmm. Including, you know, the firing of the offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Um, 
but um, I think that Giants game, especially the, uh, the second half, that was the first game, I think, this season that they were like, screw it, we're just going to give the ball to James Cook. And and so it wasn't nearly as dramatic as the victory that we just saw, where you know against the Dallas Cowboys, where James Cook, James Cook basically just took over the game, and the Bills just gave it to him over and over again, and the Cowboys just couldn't stop him. But there was a similar game plan in the second half of that Giants game, and that was the time where I was like, "Oh, our offensive line is really good at run blocking if we commit to it." Yeah, yeah, that's true, and he's quietly had an amazing season too. Yeah, um, it wasn't like he just exploded, but you know, on Sunday he had a lot of good games before that. He's, they say he's third in the league. Uh, well, they say this is actually true, but yes. I heard them say that uh, he's third in the league in um, uh, yards from scrimmage already, just behind only McCaffrey and uh, Ty- uh, Tyreek Hill. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and a lot of his uh, sort of chunk yards have come in the passing game, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, although there have been a couple that he's dropped, too, um, that would have been surefire long touchdowns. Right. But, uh, but who hasn't? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. Um, but um, um, I th- this was by far the best game he's had all season, best game of his career. Sure. And... Um, and so when I was watching this game against the Cowboys, I uh, and the way Cook was sort of just uh, making slight cuts sort of like at the line of scrimmage and and making those sort of quick cuts um, out of traffic and into open field, I was like, this, these are Thurman Thomas moves, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't say that lightly. I know that Thurman Thomas was your favorite Buffalo Bill uh, during the glory years. Uh, but this is the first um, running back that I was like, yeah, this guy kind of reminds me of Thurman Thomas. I, am I way off base there? Well, no, I don't think so. I heard other people say that, too. I don't exactly see it because he's different differently built than Thurman and yeah. different style. He's fa- certainly faster than Thurman. Yes. He's a little taller. He's 5'11", 190. I think Thurman might have been like 5'9", yeah. maybe 180 or something like that. With his cleats on. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'll tell you is uh, well, best, the thing I remember about Thurman more than anything is he could follow blockers better than anyone. Yep. And so I think in that respect, I think Cook has gotten pretty good. Um, I just remember like Thurman could hide, like you could like be yeah. this big mess of people, and he would just be walking behind the, the blockers, and then he would disappear and like run, run down the sideline where you thought he was tackled because he just found the, the spot that was being blocked and just stay on his feet and, and go down there. And now, like I guess I cook is a little different, but I, I do understand that you what you're saying with as far as uh, you know getting up the, between the tackles and following the blockers um, early on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Thurman had, you know, great vision. You know, I think the mm-hmm. best running yeah. backs have, um, you know, amazing vision. You know, Thurman, Emmett Smith, Marcus Allen, you know, mm-hmm. Barry Sanders, uh, who we'll be talking a little bit later about in the show. Uh, and uh, and Thurman also had great patience. And I think we saw a yeah. little bit of that with, with Cook today where it was like, oh, look, there's this open you know there's an opening here and then Mm -hmm. what cook has that 
that Thurman did like Thurman didn't have cook speed, but Thurman had a, a quickness uh, on a cut that would allow him to find that open space. And Cook definitely has that quickness too. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. And um, yeah, by the way, this is this is his third hundred yard rushing game. I'm just looking right now. Um, kind of quietly, like I said, he's going to put some of these games together, but. Uh, but that wasn't quiet on uh, Sunday. That was loud. No. And um, how loudly were were you yelling on Sunday? Well, I don't know. I, I yell louder when I'm losing. So, <laughs> 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 uh, I was happy though. I was very happy. I was I was digging it. And um, my, I was my main thought by watching that game was not just how great the running back was doing, but I was thinking about how important it was to have a quarterback. Mm. that didn't have an ego yes, <laughs> and could just keep handing the ball off and hand the ball off and end up not even throwing for a hundred yards. And, um, and Allen did it and didn't seem like he had a problem doing it either. Yeah. You know, no, there were no deep throws. There was one deep throw early on that just, you know, there was an attempt to make, make a play. But other than that, there was no kind of frustration plays. It was just, he kept on handing the ball off and he was happy to do it. I, I think uh, you know this, um, but uh, for our listeners, after the game, Josh Allen said, I feel like the kid in the class project uh, who didn't do anything but got an A anyways. And I was oh, like, yeah. that's such a great mentality to have. Yep. But I, again, like going back to, you know, that's something that Jim Kelly, he didn't care. If Thurman mm-hmm. went off and had a great game, Kelly was like, we got the win. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's what it should be, too. You know, most important uh, stat is wins and losses. Well, I wanted to ask you this. Um, I um, found the victory immensely satisfying in many ways because, um, you know, first of all, the Bills need need the win. We'll talk about, you know, their playoff chances mm-hmm. in a minute. But um, it was against the Dallas Cowboys, who are oh, sure. one of the franchise's teams that um, I enjoy meeting, beating the most. Um, maybe that uh, that's a sort of polite way of saying it. Um, and so, um, so my sort of list, at least in the NFL, in terms of teams to beat, uh, uh, the Cowboys are on that the top of that list. Uh, the Dolphins are right there, and then the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. So those are sort of the the top three that I think about. Uh, it, does that mirror yours, or are there uh, some teams that you would have on your list ahead of those? No, I think those would be the same three. And um, before you know Tom Brady, the goat, as everybody says, <laughs> um, was over. You know, started out at New England. I didn't have that much problems with New England because they weren't a very good team. Yes, <laughs> and they hadn't been for years. So, but obviously, those last twenty years has brought up uh, a lot of passion. And the Dolphins, of course, you know, just yes. grew up with that main rivalry. Jets didn't really feel that same you know animosity towards um but you know i was always happy to beat them too um i don't know i guess uh yeah i guess those are probably big three like in beating beating teams in the big cities uh, jets and giants just because it's that you're always getting this um kind of attitude about small city Mm. or small market teams you know buffalo being one of them and some of these bigger uh cities thinking why do they even have a team which is Kind of an interesting question when you look at well far down they have got how we are the smallest city in the country to have two professional sports teams, but I'll uh, I'll take it. Yeah, totally. Um, 
Uh, um, but yeah, so I like I like beating the big big fish too. Uh, quickly in hockey, would it be the Bruins? No, it's the Canadians. The Canadians are for Canadians. you. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, they're not as much recently, but all those years with all back when they would only draft and only and only have French Canadian players on their team, Carbano and Lemaire <laughs> and Lafleur and Daniel, uh, the whole team was like, wow, man, you can't even. Think about taking an American? <laughs> Come on. I, like I, I also think when we were kids, the, the Quebec Nordiques uh, would have oh, all, yes. a, a been on that list, too. With, with all those Stasnies. Yeah, I mean, I hated the Nordiques. Okay, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left. So uh, the Bills... Uh, despite playing really well the last two weeks, really the and the week before the bye where uh, they should have beaten the Eagles, but uh, because of some lucky bounces, the Eagles were able to to win that game. But um, the, the Bills have been playing remarkably well, uh, but they're still on the outside looking in for making the playoffs from the AFC side. Um, so yeah, the Bills play uh, the Chargers, who just recently fired their coach. Uh, the Patriots, uh, who have the second worst record in the NFL right now, and then they end the season with the Dolphins uh, and AFC clash. Dolphins are are currently um, in first place in the AFC East. Uh, is it just me? Uh, do you join me that I'm really terrified of these games against the char- Chargers and Patriots? Mostly because, A, the Patriots beat the Bills earlier this year. That's one of their two wins. And the Bills have just been have just been playing to the level of their opponent all season. So I'm terrified. How about you? <laughs> no, no, I'm all right. I feel okay, okay. about it. I feel like it's, uh, I, I mean, ever since uh, my, my fears were largely how we played offense. <laughs> yes. And um, ever since, uh, as you mentioned before, um, we switched uh, offensive coordinators. I've really been happy with our offense. I've been Me happy too. with the freedom that is, Josh Allen's been given to run when he needs to and to find the hot hand and to actually game plan. That's yes. see, when you watching the last four games, I see, see, this is what a game plan is. <laughs> right. You know, like you see, you can see like a concept that's being, you know, and a general idea, overall idea that's being used here. Whereas we didn't have those going beforehand. I don't think I just felt like it was just, you know, somebody that was just doing a play by play instead of like looking at the larger picture of the whole game, you know, and, um, so I've got a good feeling about these games. Now, the one thing I do I do fear a little bit is I don't like playing. I wish I wish uh, Staley was still the coach of the Chargers. Like <laughs> yes, playing too. the team the, that first game afterwards when they all want to play for the new coach, you know, or the interim coach. So I'm a little worried about that, I guess. But um, but I still think that uh, we're you know with, with Herbert out, their quarterback, uh, we're leaps and bounds more talented than they are and we really should win that game um and interestingly enough the patriots do you remember earlier when we lost to them it was um yes. bill belichick's 300th win yes do you know that if they lose this coming week and then we beat them in two weeks that will be uh the tying loss the the um, Belichick will be tied for the most losses in regulation in the history of the NFL with two other quarterbacks or two other coaches. Um, uh, Jeff was it Jeff Fisher and I don't I don't have the handy. There were two. There was Jeff Fisher. It was I thought it was um, George Hallis, um Just in terms of like you know length of uh, of a coaching career, you know he's one uh, you know, of I the best. Know, but yeah. I don't know if it was George Hallis. It was 
I think it was I think it was like Dan Reeves and so and someone else. Oh, that's funny. Um, it could be Dan Reeves because he's around for a long time, and they did a lot of seasons where they would get in the playoffs at nine and seven or ten and six. But regardless, I can I can find that out before you you hang up on me. Oh, wow. And um, and anyway, that's um, that's the fascinating thing is that I was talking about how you might have, you know get the record for most wins and you know in the regular season, and now it's going to be most losses before that. Yeah, so that's cool. So I, I think we're going to beat them at home. So I hope I'm, so. I'm, I'm pretty good with them. Yeah. I'm I'm knocking on wood. How about this? Uh, I need to take a break. You can yep. text that into me, and I'll let uh, our listeners know. Uh, so we can make sure that we get that uh, that correct step on that. out on the air. Hey, Paul, yeah. thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, and one quick thing. Um, yeah. Make, make sure, I hope you haven't uh, had a time to uh, see Love Actually before Christmas. Love Actually. <laughs> it's, it's a really great Christmas movie. Uh, you check it out. Yeah, you, like you, uh, <laughs> you love Christmas movies. Um, and you love Love Actually. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie is uh, is Scrooged, um, and Scrooge I know great. I, great I know movie. that we we share that uh, yes. that love. So right, that's watch, a, watch that too. The, new double feature <laughs> sounds good. Paul, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate yes. it. No problem, man. Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you soon. And go Bills. Go Bills. We're going to shift over, but not too far from professional football. Um, we did this earlier this year, I believe. Um, we, you know, Tom and I are big fans of of movies along with sports. And when we can talk about sports movies and sports adjacent movies, uh, all the better. So when we talk about movies, we like to bring in Edwin Arnauden. Edwin, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So, uh, so you are the Asheville movies guy. So, uh, the, like, I'm making that title up for you right now. <laughs> but tell tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you do with movies here. Um, yeah, well, well I, I would say I was part of the Asheville movie guys w- with Bruce Steele. Yeah, we, Bruce. Until we flew out west, uh, he's actually back in town for the holidays, so we'll get to hang out and nice see some movies together. But um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Jim Rosario has kind of taken Bruce's spot, and yeah, we try to do our best to cover this rich scene here, Mm -hmm. and this time of year especially, we're both in a few film critic organizations, so we get to see a bunch of stuff, and Mm -hmm. so, uh, but also trying to catch up on some uh, other films this year that we missed or just mm-hmm. uh ones coming out you know they just netflix amazon they keep pumping them out so we're trying to st- <laughs> yes. stay on top of it as best we can and before i forget where can people read your work um in terms of reviewing movies head over to AshevilleMovies.com. nice nice and ha- do you have a top 10 of the year have you put one out yet I did for the um, so we had to vote last Friday for the Southeastern Film Critics Association, okay. and so for that it's a uh, top ten films, and you mm-hmm. um, so they ended up giving well I guess the group as a whole gave the number one film to Oppenheimer, and okay. then, uh, I think we give out maybe twelve awards, and maybe seven of them went to Oppenheimer. Yeah, okay. And uh, I was I was joking that there were probably some votes for it in the foreign language and animation <laughs> one too. And, yes, and uh, you know I f- guess there yeah. was animation when the explosion <laughs> happened. You know. So, yeah, but there there were more movies this year than Oppenheimer, even though that was uh, that's currently currently my number three of the year. Number three. Yeah. What's your number one of the year? Right now, it's Ferrari. It's, it's Is Michael, it really? Yeah, I was really surprised that it was there, but it just no other movie just kind of 
pulled me in the way that that one did. Okay, we'll come back to Ferrari and we'll come back to some of the more recent ones. But yeah, I asked you uh, to come on the show a couple months back and it's yeah, it's taken <laughs> a few weeks. I know you have other obligations, but uh you posted uh about seeing uh the new Barry Sanders documentary. I think it's just called Barry, is that right? Uh Bye Bye Barry. Bye yeah. Bye Barry. But, but there have been other Barry Sanders documentaries. I think this is sort of one of the more official ones. It's got his yeah. participation. It seems more fully focused than some of these other maybe uh, less, um, you know, official approved yeah. documentaries. Yeah. Oh, so it is still authorized by Barry Sanders. But so, I mean, that's a yeah. thing now where like, you know, athletes both still playing and retired are sort of doing their own biographies. Yeah. And uh, it feels a little bit squeamish at times where you're just like what what is this right, you know right. i would say i don't know if i'd call this authorized but just the fact that he's in it so much and is bringing his yeah. family involved is sort of like well i a lot of people have these speculations of why i retired yeah there's all these stories about me going around so let's just set the record straight I think yeah versus something like um i'm gonna offend all the swifties but the taylor swift documentary from uh, a few years ago yeah where it seemed very um coordinated meticulously yes. everything yeah. you saw was being shown on purpose yes. i would say versus this one where um i do think if, if barry sanders was behind the scenes he would have said well maybe don't include that maybe don't include yeah. that but it gives you a, a pretty good well-rounded portrait of him and yeah his life and and so um uh so, so were you were you like yes this is a good sports documentary i would sign off on it uh in terms of uh some of the other ones that you've seen <laughs> oh absolutely yeah it's um it's really well made mm -hmm. and i kind of wish it was in theaters it's kind of a shame that yeah. it's just going to amazon because it is really well done and um just the use of it, it, it's nothing you haven't seen before in a mm -hmm. documentary film it's talking head interviews it's archival footage but the clips of Barry Sanders running are just... That's what I was going to say. It's like an action film, right? There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And that's why when you said that it should be on the full screen, I immediately started drooling a little bit to yeah. be like, I would love to see those Barry Sanders highlights yeah, on the big screen. It's yeah. like watching a John Wick film. Yeah, on the big screen. <laughs> you're like, it's appointment viewing. Barry was that kind of player. He was just... He was on some garbage teams but oh, yeah, yeah. they were uh, detroit was you know must see because he could rip off those those plays seemingly every game and it's it's just crazy yeah just thinking about um you know, I think I think more and more you've got kind of the Andrew Luck type or the Calvin Johnson type that are leaving the game a little yeah. earlier. And Barry seemed to be kind of the first one to kind of do that on his own terms. Yeah. And there was that mystery surrounding him. He was he's probably is still my favorite NFL player of all time. Yeah. It was wow. just um highlight after highlight. And um Emmett Smith is interviewed in the film yeah. and he talks about how Barry he basically says Barry was a better running back than he was, yeah. except he didn't have a team surrounding him. Right. To, to, to your point, like Detroit was I guess his rookie year was pretty good and I guess made it yeah. um I guess lost to the uh Washington um for the then the, Redskins. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I'll the say formerly it. known as the Redskins. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, I'll take the heat. Super Bowl yes. year. Yeah. <laughs> um and I I kind of forgotten. I, I looking back, I do remember that that was maybe my first or second year of following pro football. Yeah, and um, you know, collecting football cards and be like, yeah, Barry Sanders, they're oh, going to yeah. make it. And then you know, they they ended up losing. But um, 
but yeah, if he if he had a decent quarterback, not that like Rodney Peter, these other guys were bad, but it just they were okay. It it wasn't Troy Aikman, it wasn't Michael Irvin, it wasn't you know even Daryl Johnson in the backfield, you know, busting holes through the through the line yeah. for him. It was just kind of the the Barry Sanders show, like you're totally. saying. Well, and you know, especially the offensive line. I mean, oh, yeah. Emmett was a great running back. I'll never sure. take anything away yeah. from him. But yeah, if you put Barry Sanders behind that line, he would have probably gotten like 2,500 yards. I mean, Absolutely. he was just an electric runner. And yeah, part part of what made him so good on Detroit was making something out of nothing where mm-hmm. it was like there's guys in the backfield and he would get like three yard carry and you're like he gained 20 yards <laughs> to get those three yards like over the sort of width of the field just using the entire space in order just to get something out of it yeah, yeah. he was a, he was an amazing player okay so let's shift over <laughs> to some of the uh those other movies so yeah you have ferrari at the top of your list um yeah. so yeah yeah, going in, uh, what what were your expectations um, with a Michael Mann movie? Well, it's been a while. I mean, I guess the last one was Black Hat in 2015, yeah. I think. And I did not like that. I, I kind mm-hmm. of snoozed off a little bit even in the theater <laughs> yeah. watching it. I'm just, you know, watching Chris Hemsworth type on a keyboard is only <laughs> right. so exciting. But uh, and I didn't really like Public Enemies and or Miami Vice. So it's it's been a while, mm. probably since Collateral, since I yeah. thought he had a really good movie. I was a big fan of uh, Tokyo Vice. I still uh, haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah uh, he directed the pilot, and mm. that's that's a great hour of television. Nice. So again, it's not a feature film, but I was like, this is great. And then the rest of the show was like. Can we get Michael Mann to direct all of these? You <laughs> right, know, because right. it it lost a little something. I'm also a big Miami Vice guy. The the movie, um, I I love that movie. Um, uh, even though it's a it's a <laughs> mess. Um, uh, but I, it's a beautiful mess. But so you were a little bit like uncertain about how you would feel going into this movie. Then, yeah, I just I didn't know if he had it anymore, honestly. Yeah. And then, just pretty early on. Mm you could just tell that he was on his a, a game. This, this was the Michael Mann of heat, the insider last of the Mohicans yeah. collateral um, thief. And so, um, you know, my, my dad's a big sports mm. um, racing guy. I grew mm. up going to the Indy 500 as a kid. And so I've, I've seen the racing movies. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of For- Ford versus Ferrari. I was going to say that might be one of the things that might ho- hold people back sure. because they're yeah. like, Wait, didn't that movie come out four years ago? <laughs> yeah, this is yeah totally different, mm. way, way more character-focused. You So there's some incredible racing scenes. There's mm. some beautiful shots, but it's a really great drama, too, between um, Enzo Ferrari, played by Adam Driver, mm-hmm. and, and his, his wife, played by Penelope Cruz. And it's, it's some of the best head-to-head acting wow. of the year, really. They're just both bringing it mm-hmm. and... Um, really sharp dialogue just really cuts to the bone mm-hmm. and um really really no wasted scenes so uh it's that it's this incredible balance between this yeah this human drama and this um th- these big action racing scenes and this the the pressure that he was on from every aspect of his life from his family stuff you know, he's got this side hustle family that mm. his wife doesn't know about mm-hmm. and then the whole country of italy is kind of looking at him to keep pulling them out of this depression from world war ii which he sort of was instrumental in in doing so mm-hmm. and um 
I just don't know how he kept going around. But, yeah. Uh, and I thought Adam Driver did a did a terrific job. One of the only things holding me back is um, Shailene Woodley plays his um, kind of side wife, talking about you know the, mm-hmm. the ties in perfectly with the NFL being M- Mrs. Aaron Rodgers. Yes. But, <laughs> um, her accent work. I wasn't sure if she was playing an Italian or an American expat, and it took me the second oh, view to be like, I, I guess it was an Italian accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Poor. Okay. We'll put that aside. But wow, your number one. Fo- and, and I also like to hear that the the uh, you know since we are talking about sports that the action car racing sequences are great. Um, there was uh, I'm blanking on this, but Michael Mann did that TV show for HBO with David Milch, uh, the horse racing show. Luck. Uh, yeah, luck. Thank you with Dustin Hoffman and Nick Nolte, and it wasn't a great show, but I loved it personally. And there was a horse race in every episode, and he figured out a way to capture to film the race differently in each episode and it was just lovely work um so yeah i would recommend luck but also some people may hate it my parents hated <laughs> it they were like why would you tell us to watch this thing and i'm like this was great and so anyway so yeah and then um so then another um, movie, I don't remember if it was on your top 10, but we have a wrestling movie that's out too. Yeah, The Iron Claw um, comes out. It's going to be at the Grail Movie House um, and Fine Arts Theater starting this weekend. And um, it's a fact-based story about mm. the the Von Erich family. I had no idea about it. You know, I, I grew up watching some mm-hmm. wrestling in like the Hulk Ho- Hogan era. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. So I didn't know before that. But So this is a 70s based in the 70s, 80s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ric Flair is a character in there, and so I guess he's part of this sort of Texas circuit that the Von Erich family is on, but uh, it's it's really well done. It's... Mm. I'd say it's probably my number 11 of the year. Right okay. Now. It was, so it was, it was pretty close. Yeah. It was 10. And then I forgot about Bo is afraid. And I was like, oh, how do I work that back? Yeah. In? But uh, yeah, Zach Efron, who mm. people I think have underrated for a long time. He went a under a total physical transformation for this film. Just wow. bulked up. Um, I don't know if he's wearing facial prosthetics, but he has this super square jaw thing <sighs> going on. Yeah. And he's just a marvel to behold. And so I think he's not going to be underrated anymore. No one's going to be thinking he's going to sing high school musical stuff anymore after this movie. Um, But the, yeah, Jeremy Allen White from the bear is one of his brothers. Um, And Holt McAnally, who was on um, the uh, mind hunter series on Mm -hmm. Netflix is this, overbearing father oh, oh, who who yeah. was a former wrestler He's too great yeah and it's just the the pressure that these kids are under hmm. um and then tragedy strikes and they 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 truly feel like they have a curse on mm. them oh, and that wow. they just can't get by it and it's just it's just hard-nosed stuff and um jim my my co-writer is a big wrestling fan and mm. uh we're going to be publishing our back and forth dialogue of it and oh he, neat uh, tomorrow and he was he was asking me he's like oh was this too esoteric was it were mm-hmm. you you know what were all the details getting in the way i was like no like for someone who just has a kind of passing interest in pro wrestling it was mm-hmm. very engaging oh, and that's great well done and he was like okay because there's all these easter eggs in there for wrestling fans oh and, wow that's great uh, yeah for it so, both it, levels. so it hits those different audiences who directed the film it's um sean durkin who oh. did he's only done two films he did the nest a couple years ago with jude law and Carrie Coon, and then he also did Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Okay, I don't um, know those movies. And I didn't really like those movies. I thought they were just kind of serious, overly serious and boring. Yeah. But he really took that kind of 
blunt-nosed approach to this film and it works mm -hmm. so it's like he finally made a movie that i loved and now i'm kind of like, okay what's what's he gonna do next oh that's great so what's the rest of your top five while we're talking about it uh ferrari's on top ferrari's number one um scorsese's killers of the flower moon is yeah two. sure oppenheimer three um did i put you on the spot i'm sorry well i know i uh Past Lives is on there. I think. That's, yeah, that's a beautiful um, movie. And then you had the killer on there, uh, on the there. new Fincher movie. That's in the top ten. Um, uh, you know, Wes Anderson is my man, and oh, he yeah. had Asteroid City and all these Netflix shorts. Of, yeah, of the Rot Raul dolls, and so I'm, oh, yeah. I'm trying to kind of lump them all together into one. <laughs> yeah, which is unfair, but that's a little so unfair. <laughs> yeah, they are good. I loved Asteroid City. I thought I, I don't mm -hmm. know if there's a connection, a sports connection, but since we're talking movies, I, I I loved that movie. I thought it was great. It's excellent. Yeah, that's um, it's there's a there's just so many masters that have made yes. movies this year and you think of you know we, i just saw the new miyazaki film uh, -huh. uh the boy in the heron is in theaters right now and that's excellent and yeah. it's like how many yeah, that's, that's probably his last film how many years do we get new miyazaki new scorsese new venture new michael mann <laughs> yeah. like all in the same year there's a new um vim vendors film that um is called Ke kelly reichardt had a new movie kelly too reichardt. yeah it's yeah just, so these masters yeah it's kind of unfair and um <coughs> you know if, if there wasn't the uh, strikes we probably we would have had a few more like the the new dune we would have had that's right um a few others so it's just it's been kind of a sneaky really strong movie year yeah i I, would I, say. I I don't think it's sneaky i think <laughs> it was a strong movie year let's be proud about it okay we're talking with edwin about movies so you found what was your number four movie you you looked it up it's uh the holdovers the new paul, yes. paul giamatti film Yes, uh, which everybody it seems like everybody who's seen it just comes back saying, "What a great movie that is!" It, it seems to have universal uh, appeal. Yeah, which means it's being um, uh, dragged on Twitter right now. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so universal be, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, appeal, which means yeah, those jerks on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, uh, but moving on for that. So uh, yeah, you do write for Asheville movies, um, but then also you cover the local scene and uh, you put out feelers on Facebook mm -hmm. uh, about a sports-related story that you're working on. Can you tell? us a little bit about that i don't want to spoil anything but yeah. uh what is the story that you're working on yeah just trying to get a um history together of the Asheville smoke for for mountain express and really just looking for um folks that uh, hopefully we're connected with the team in some way it'd be great to talk to some former players yeah. or, or coaches um i've got a few contacts that i'll be speaking with including a local uh, sports writer that was covering the team mm. uh, for the hendersonville paper that had had no previous hockey experience <laughs> yeah, oh, has, oh that's great good stories but, yeah um yeah, you know, it doesn't need to be um, the official one one and only history of the National Smoke. But I think, you know, when when I brought it up in the news meeting, a lot of people were thought I was just making something up, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's still had a hockey team. Yeah. Right. And they're like, where was it? And they're like, how did they have it there? And then they yeah. had no idea about the the ice that was there. Mm -hmm. and, 
you know, how, how we did have skating there for a while. So I, I think it is since it, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I, I did history of the Asheville Speedway a couple of years right. ago. And it's just one of those things that doesn't exist anymore. And there's so many people new to Asheville and they just don't know about it. Yeah. And I think it's a really good human interest story and kind of connects the uh, longtime residents with the new folks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um, I don't know when it's going to come out, but uh, it's, it's a little evergreen, so hopefully I'll have a little bit more time to work on it. And uh, I, I can't remember how long you've been here. Did you see the smoke play? I did one time. Yeah. 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 I remember. Um, did, did you go to a lot of games? Or no. Okay. Um, I, I moved to town in 2001, oh, and yeah. that was either their last season or second to last season. I can't remember um, in that. Like, yeah, maybe that spring 2022, oh, 2002 would mm-hmm. have been their last one. I can't remember the dates. But I kept being like, oh, I would go to see minor yeah. league. And then by the time I like – was settled in Asheville and had actual money to spend on that. <laughs> right. They were gone, right. you know. So you saw one game. I did and it was it was a lot. I remember it being a lot of fun Heck and yeah. then I was such an autograph hound that yeah. my friends and I went down with our program afterwards and we're getting autographs and there was this I remember this guy Schultz. I'd love to talk to him for the article. He's um, he was kind of the enforcer for their team yeah, yeah. and he had gotten into several fights during the, the game and gotten <laughs> kicked out and so we were like, "Hey Schultz, yeah, yeah. How was that? You know what what happened?" And he's like, "I was we were like, can, "Can you tell us about the fight? Can you tell us?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh that guy had it coming." And nah, we were yeah. like, "Yeah, Schultz, Schultz." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I mean, I I grew up in Buffalo, which is a, a big hockey community. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bills uh, Bills are number one, but the Sabers are a, a close second um, in that community. I went to lots of Sabers games when I was a kid, um, and it was either like you know somebody's parents got tickets and I got to go, or then a little bit later, you know, when we had cars and could just drive down there, we would go to hockey games and they were great. So I finally got to bring my family to a Sabres game after years, just not being able to get it together. And yeah, my, my wife, who's never been a hockey fan was very much like, Oh, this is great. Right. Because you kind of understand the movement, the flow of the game a little bit more. Also the, bloodthirsty crowd all around you you know all of that stuff you know it's hard not to get passionate and you know the sabers came back and won in that game and so you're just like going crazy about it and then like if you see a game in person like watching on on tv makes more sense i think for sure yeah it it can unify i mean i went with a group of friends that had all sorts of different backgrounds like yeah Dungeons and Dragons nerds to like super sports <laughs> yes. freaks and I was like what can we all do together and I was like let's go to our Hurricanes game and it yeah. was this great unifier and yeah. for all those reasons you say and so it's action packed easy to follow yeah. great atmosphere so if yeah. you get to see a fight too there's nothing better uh, yeah chef's kiss you know? yeah <laughs> I know and we did see a, a, a fight in the Sabres game that we went to <laughs> and my niece figured out she was like oh I can scream and say (laughs) terrible things and nobody's going to reprimand me. In fact, they're going to join in on it. And so she really got into that. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. Okay, we've got a couple more minutes left with you. Um, 
so you, I love that when we have guests who dress up for radio. <laughs> so you, uh, you came in uh, with your your very handsome Pittsburgh Steelers uh, hoodie. Um, so how long have you been a Sabres uh, a Steelers fan since a kid? Since you were a kid? Yes, and since 95, since Cordell slash Stewart's yeah. rookie season. Yeah. So um, what are you – this has been a weird year for the Steelers, <laughs> uh, getting out to a great start. And then uh, – but there were a number of games where – you know, the media and everybody is like, how are the Steelers even winning these games right. and everything like that? And it seems like they they finally fired their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. And then it and then there was an injury to Kenny Pickett at quarterback position. Mm-hmm. But it feels like, I don't know, karma, the league, people have caught up to the Steelers a little bit. They're on a little bit of a losing streak. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's um, ending the last season on such a high note. Yeah, uh, just barely missing the playoffs, really. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, giving giving coach yet another non losing season. It felt really yeah. good and um, carried that momentum, like you said. But um, yeah, it was just too many too many injuries. I think they're just one of these teams that is unfortunately one player away from being a bad team. Yeah, and you saw the the Dolphins really struggle without Tyreek Hill. Totally. So it's um, it's unfortunate that they don't have a better backup plan. That they really are that dependent on a second year quarterback. Yeah. And uh, I don't think they're going to win again the rest of the year. I mean, I you know I'm I'm wearing my gear. I'm still yeah. you know re- rooting for them, wanting the best, hoping the coach stays around. I don't mm-hmm. think it's his fault that they're struggling, but. But um, yeah, you you just go from this Big Ben era, and it's kind of hard to um, know where to go. You know, did we hold on to him a little too long? Probably. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of hurt some things. But um, you know, they've also been good at shedding kind of troublesome players over the years yep. and drafting well and having having Watt on the defense is just you know such a blessing. But um, yeah, it's it's a young team. It's still a rebuilding team. It's kind of a miracle that they have done this well the last yeah. few years, honestly. But um, yeah, they need a couple more pieces. Yeah, are you sold on Kenny Pickett? Um, I like him a lot. I like him yeah. a lot. I think um, there was something last year, especially about the Pickett to Pickens connection. Yeah, you know, sure. I, want, I wanted some T-shirts made. I think mm-hmm. uh, of that, and it seemed like a great uh, building block going forward. Uh, he, he's young. He needs some some more room, I think. But mm-hmm. um, he's he's really shown a lot of maturity. I, I really felt like last year he kind of had put those mistakes that he made early on you know he i remember he almost beat the dolphins on monday night football yeah and then he kind of learned from that mistake and then really knuckled down and got them on that winning streak and i think when he's healthy he's pretty strong and Mm -hmm. i think the people around him want to step up and play with him but um he's also a little brittle yeah it's it's like you know you um blow blow wind on him and he kind of falls (laughs) over and yeah i don't know how you really fix that so um he's the answer now i'd say but yeah I don't know if, uh, if if the struggles keep happening, if the injuries keep piling up, you gotta start looking elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I'm um, maybe unfairly um, I am rooting against Kenny Pickett, okay. and it doesn't it doesn't it's not about his time with the Steelers, but when he was at Pitt. Okay, so I am a, a Wake Forest graduate, and. Pitt beat Wake Forest in um, the ACC championship game a few years ago in 2021. And he did this play where it was like, you know, you can't hit a quarterback when they're when they're going to slide. Right. And he did a thing where he 
faked slid where he was gonna like about to slide so the defender held up and then he kept running and i was like that is the cheapest play that you can do because like we're drilling this into all of these defensive players you can't hit a quarterback right. when they're sliding and he does a fake slide and then you're like what what are you supposed to do with that and i i don't think he scored on the play but it set up a touchdown and it was just part of this avalanche that pit and so i've always been like yeah <laughs> not not a fan of the kenny pickett yeah i feel like a play like that needs to be penalized i feel like yeah that, that, i think they actually passed a okay. rule after that yeah and i was just like thanks it <laughs> doesn't help us now you know well i think he's he's learned from his mistakes he's not he's yeah. not he's not doing it when um you know the guys from the browns are coming after him or something right but, uh, yeah yeah um so uh quickly you are a red Sox fan is that right correct okay yeah. i got that right okay <laughs> good because i i don't want to be insulting because if you say that to some people they'd be like excuse me i am not a red Sox fan right. in fact the opposite so um baseball free agency i know the red Sox didn't have a great um year this past year right what are, what are you thinking do you think um the red Sox can make some moves in the offseason to get back to their winning ways I think so. It's um, it's funny reading these fan boards, and they're just like, yes. "Oh, why didn't they get Otani? Why didn't they get Soto?" You know, yeah. It's like, well, you know, it's there's it's not that easy, right? Um, so I, I know they're allegedly in the Yamamoto uh, mm. sweepstakes. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I really do think that if we get two kind of workhorse starting pitching. I think mm. that's what was missing last year. We need yeah. guys who can go five, six innings, get quality starts on a regular basis because the bullpen's good. The closers are good. Mm -hmm. Hitting is good enough. Defense could use some help. Um, but I think it, they just need some healthier workhorse pitchers. And I think uh, if they can sign like a Mon Jordan Montgomery type, I think um, we were, I, I saw a, a, a betting website that had us as the odds on favorite to sign him. And I'm like, let's go for it. Let's just give him whatever <laughs> yeah. money. You yes. know, John Henry has the money. Let's do let's it. Let's just do it. And then um, get, I don't know, there's, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name, but the other Japanese pitcher yeah. that's um, kind of projected as like a number two or three starter. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone like that is interested too, and then maybe get, uh, like a um, Jorge Soler as mm -hmm. as the DH. I think those are some. Um, they're not flashy. They're they're not Soto. Right. They're not Otani. But they are a lot cheaper. And, and I think solid. that they can yeah. um, kind of fill the gaps that we have without destroying the very good farm system right yeah. now. I would say. I think there's a lot of young guys. I think that's why they were okay to trade. Verdugo, he didn't really, you mm -hmm. know, I, I like the guy, great spirit. When he's hot, he's hot. But he's just not that guy. You yeah. know, he had his chance. We got some young guys that I think can can come up and and you know maybe be the next Devers, be the next yeah. Mookie Betts type of player, and um, yeah, they just need a shot. So I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I'm curious. Uh, I think people need to just be a little more patient on yeah. these signings and um, you know just not expect something every hour on on every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that that's good. I mean, the toughest thing I think the Red Sox have to contend with is their division is no longer easy. No. You know, um, I mean, you had the Orioles, uh, the Yankees, the Rays, all of those teams are really good, really good oh, yeah. systems. And yet yeah, nobody's going to be resting on their laurels. So that's really the toughest thing that you have to contend with. It's not just like the Yankees and a bunch of pushovers. 
right? Which is kind of a blessing that Otani didn't go to to Toronto. <laughs> yes. So like, oh, that there's there's one less monster to worry about. Oh yeah, I least. didn't even think about the Blue Jays. <laughs> Gosh, that that division is just uh stack hey edwin thank you so much for coming in talking movies talking sports i really appreciate it scott thanks so much my pleasure just a couple minutes left um want to let you know that i am going to be out next week uh on this program but tom will be here and he will be counting down the top 10 sports related songs that we've played here on run that back throughout this year um so we'll be counting that down uh he will be so please tune in for that we'd love for you guys to do that i'm sorry that i won't be here for the year end show uh but thanks everybody for listening and uh yeah listening to tom and i do the sports thing here on Asheville fm okay so now's the time where we recognize those we've lost over the past week in the world of sports and entertainment in our coffin corner eric montrass basketball player who played center at carolina won a national title with them in 1993 and he went on to play for the nba in several years for several teams including the celtics and the pistons really great um, player george mcginnis Hall of, ba- Hall of Fame basketball player who played for Bobby Knight at Indiana. He was one of the marquee players for the ABA where he won two titles with the Indiana Pacers. He went on to play in the NBA with the 76ers, the Nuggets, and eventually back with the Pacers. A uh, couple of other people, James McCaffrey, American actor, uh, known for Rescue Me. Uh, but we want to go out with recognizing Manny Martinez, drummer of the iconic punk rock band The Misfits. Thanks for listening to Run That Back. We'll see you next week.